Hello, and welcome to the Meltdown City Podcast with your hosts, Nicole Johnson and Allie Sundet. Our podcast is about reckoning with our restlessness and figuring out where we want to go next. We hope to laugh, inspire, connect. Thanks for listening. Hey, Allie. Hey, Nicole. How are you? I'm great. What's up with you, babe? Oh, well, um, I just got back into town. Where were you? I was in California and Texas, actually. Texas um, to uh, lay, I mean, I guess to to put the ashes of Rob's aunt into the ground in Galveston. Um, unexpectedly, she passed away. May she rest in peace. She's a very, very um, powerful, strong, independent woman, Joan Appel. So anyway, she died unexpectedly. So I went to Texas with Rob and then I had already planned to go to California. So I made my way to California. Nice. Well, I'm sorry to hear that passing of Rob's aunt. Yes. That's really sad. She sounds like an amazing woman and I'm glad you guys got to go down there and celebrate her life. Yeah. She was a real force to be reckoned with. She lived, she had no regrets. May she be an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Yep. So how was the rest of your trip? Uh, good. I went, I mean, I went to LA, met up with Amity. Um, mm-hmm. We had like a kind of a fast, like 36 hours together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took the train down to San Diego, spent a couple of days in San Diego, hung out with Mel. Mm-hmm. She was working down there. So I spent the night at her place walked to Balboa Park one day. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I decided I was going to rent a car and go over to the Salton Sea and spend the night in Palm Springs. The Salton Sea was like a desolate, like, I don't, must. I mean, it's a man-made land, uh, land source, water source, excuse me. And it was like up and coming in the 50s and 60s and it was very resorty and all these Hollywood celebrities would go like Frank Sinatra and stuff but I think the sea started to stink and Ooh. people started to leave but it's still this really kind of it's beauty it's a beautiful lake or sea if you will but it's um, like the contrast of the desolation around it uh-huh. juxtaposed to the beauty of the lake the sea is totally beautiful. So I wanted to see that. And it's like a ghost land out there. Cool. Yeah. You're living your best life, Nicole Johnson. You're just <laughs> traveling out there all around. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. It was, uh, I feel very blessed right now. Um, yeah, it was a great, great experience. I went to Palm Springs, spent the night in Palm Springs and I was kind of a, I didn't really re- re- review the place that I was staying at very well. And it was definitely, for a different generation than my own. And how did you find that out? <laughs> <laughs> By working out on the Stairmaster, it was like, put put in your age. And it was, you know, started out and it was like, starting age was 72. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go boop, 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 to 42. Nice. So anyway, hey, I'll get up to 72. You immediately shaved 30 years off. I <laughs> Like a matter of button pushes in seconds. I know. It's fantastic. That's what time travel, I think, is supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then I made my way to... Um, the wellness the retreat. The wellness retreat, yeah, that was put on the, by yeah. yeah James Swanick. 
Um, he did a well, he did like this alcohol free wellness weekend. Cause he's all about living like an alcohol free life. I'm trying to find my balance personally, but, um, it was an amazing retreat, lots of speakers and we did yoga on the beach, meditation, beach dancing, disco dancing. We did a hike, we did some fun things. Anyway, very cool. That's amazing. And now I came back. Good for you. Welcome back. It's Seattle. It's gray and raining just a little bit. (gasps) You missed the 70 degree degree week, though, that we had. That's true. Which was amazing. I think it was like 74 one day and then 78 the next day. It was phenomenal. You guys hit, well, up here, when I was down there, it was warmer up here. And it, you guys, it was a a record day. It sure was. In March, right? Yeah. Um, How are you, dude? I'm super good. I had an awesome weekend. I uh, jetted over to Cleola, Washington, where my mom lives and hung oh. out with her one night and came back early yesterday because I was super excited and motivated to get my kids' rooms cleaned and rearranged because sometimes I'll just be flipping through magazines and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And then I'm like, oh, that costs money. I don't have any of that, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what can you do? You can, you can clean out what, ugh, just the junk and the clutter and all that jazz. And so we got rid of that stuff and then we rearranged stuff and then it looks brand new, even though you didn't spend a dime. That's awesome. And we rearranged like that. We just took off old curtains and put up new ones and changed all the bedding and swapped things around. What and- did your kids think? Oh, they were excited. They were like, let's pretend we moved. We moved, you know, from Canada to Seattle and we've never been in this house before. You know, they were all into it. Very excited, helping design. That's awesome. I think that's what Desiree inspired me to do. Yes. You know. Yeah. Fresh coat of paint here and there. Never hurt anybody. Rearranged some furniture. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Because you did paint something, right? You. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know if I had talked about this, Mm-mm. but my no. husband and I decided to paint our island. Our our kitchen has beautiful, like, black kind of speckled granite, and it has these little gray flecks in it. And um, But it has, like, dark cherry wood cabinetry, and it's very dated, in my opinion, and I've never really liked cherry um, is a stain color. And so I was like, I think light gray would look really good. And we we're like, well, let's bite off a bite sized piece of this project and see how long it takes, see how well it turns out and see if we can do the rest of it. So we did that and it turned out super pretty. We loved it. You got to send me a picture. I will. Or better yet, I need to come over and see it. Yeah, you should. Yeah. And then, um, another cool thing happened to me as I was like thinking through, future business ideas, you know, career professional trajectory and all that. I was thinking about how I've always wanted to be an income property owner. Mm. And wouldn't that be fun to work towards? Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm one of those people who kind of gets on Zillow and looks into like real estate pretty mm. frequently actually as a hobby. My mom was a real estate agent and my dad's like a, um, Contract. a contractor, mm-hmm. you know, like built houses formerly, but now just kind of does you know, freelance contract work. Um, but anyway, I was like, I want to buy a property in Lake Chelan and rent it out all year and make money off of it. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, if you could really make $70,000 a year just doing property management at a great resort town, wouldn't that be the life? Mm-hmm. I feel like if I could do that, I could like pay off my mortgage, pay yeah. off that mortgage in yeah. 10, 15 years or yeah. whatever. And then retire early and then start living my best life. 
Cause yeah. sometimes I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to get close to living my best life when I'm like, I still have to wake up early every day. I don't yeah. get my workout in sometimes. Yeah. I'm not eating as well as I could. And sometimes that just reminds me, you know what? You have to change in yeah. order to, you know, make all of these best life aspirations actually happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Like in, in, ingrain it into your, into your, like a change, maybe a small change here or there, but just implement something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Rome wasn't built in a day. Totally. And that's another reason why I just like was like, okay, I can't buy a new new resort, you know, or an income property today, but I can change my rooms around in my house. Yeah, and the thing is too is like you can if you just open your mind up to thinking that it, it it's a possibility that you're going to do this, then you know, th- therefore you're you're I think willing it into the universe a lot easier. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, you know, if you're like, I can't do that or this won't happen. It won't definitely won't happen. Right. And I, and I talked to my husband about it and I was like, this doesn't have to happen soon, but it needs to happen, you know, in like five to 10 years and we can start stashing money away for down payment, you know? So mm-hmm. it is, it is like future planning. It is long-term yeah. goal planning, but it's still goal planning and setting that intention. Yeah. So that was cool. If that felt like hopeful and something that I can do along with my, you know, yeah. All my other side hustles. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I forgot to say one thing about the conference that I really wanted to say. Oh yeah. Say it. Was that, um, it reminded me, you know, I went to this conference. I paid money to go. Um, it wasn't like crazy expensive, but it wasn't cheap either. But like, um, it was like, um, an investment in myself. And then at the same time it was, um, like it pushed me. Like I, I had those feelings when I was going, I was like, Oh God. I'm going to meet all these people I don't know. I'm going to be forced into awkward conversations. I'm going to, I had this real feeling like of wanting to retreat and like not go. But um, by going, I had really inspirational conversations with people. I met some amazing people. Um, And like I met this intuition guide, um, uh, intuition coach who Mm -hmm. was really cool. Um, I can't remember her name, but that's okay. But, um, I met a bunch of people who had all these inspiring stories. And then some people talked about, um, where they were in life. And then maybe one person was really uninspired and was trying to find themselves and didn't, you know, know how to do that. And I just, anyway, I just could relate to, um, that kind of story. And, um, but I wouldn't have had those meaningful conversations if I didn't go. Mm-hmm. Good for you for putting yourself out there. Let that be a reminder to you, you, the listener out there, if there's something that you want to do and you think you shouldn't do it because of blah, 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 blah. Do it. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Take a risk. Take a risk. Take a gamble. (laughs) Like you're going to do with your property that you're going to find. Yeah, I could lose a shit ton of money. Won't that be interesting? (laughs) (laughs) But I might become financially independent too. Yeah. Which would be great. That would be great. Yeah, so you also had a meltdown moment at your uh, retreat there, didn't you? You want to share that one? Yeah, oh my God. This is really funny. This is so intense. <laughs> this I is love not. This story. Um, so w- there was one day that we had this like exercise that we had to do. And for those of you that don't know me, my, I'm, my emotions are like right like under the surface. Like, you know, occasionally I'll cry at a commercial or occasionally, you know, I'm like a, 
I'm a, I can, I can tear up at, you know, the intensity of things. And so we were doing this exercise with, but this great woman was trying to just like open us up, open up our hearts, open up our minds to humanity and to each other and mm-hmm. to recognize each other as amazing, amazing human beings. And so we had to like stand there and put our, like find a stranger stare at them and look into their <laughs> left eye and then do like this don't and never looking away and just only looking into their eye and the, this gentleman I was looking into his eye I swear to god I saw a little like little shimmer of a tear and then I was like Oh my God. Then I was like touched emotionally by that. Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to look away. So I was like looking at this guy and then all of a sudden I realized I'm like full on like (laughs) crying (laughs) and you're not supposed to look away. Then I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I couldn't, I like, and then it was like, okay, change, find a different partner. So, and you're still not supposed to say a thing or speak. So I find my next partner, another man, we're looking at each other in the, in the left eye, un- <laughs> <laughs> un- uh, with, the, with the intent of not to look away, although however intense it may be. <laughs> By this point, I'm sure, I mean, I'm just really crying now. Yeah. And I'm like having like no snot and like just being like, can I hide please? Because I, and the guy's like, trying to understand what is something's really happening inside me right now. And, um, he gave me this like really intense, like nods and like understanding. And I'm thinking now I'm thinking I'm a, I'm an asshole because I'm monopolizing this time because now this person's looking at me and I'm crying and like, he must be thinking like, am I okay? Instead of me being like, wonder what's happening in his mind. But you were so selfless. <laughs> like, what a dick I'm being for crying right now. <laughs> and then, oh, my oh my god! Then I had to do an, with an, one more person. And by the way, I was about to go leave to get my flight back home. I couldn't mm-hmm. stay the last, the full length of the, that day, and so I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta get out of here!" Like this was all so intense. Like I just was like the silence and the crying and the looking and the. <laughs> In the, the left eye. In the left eye. I don't oh know what God. the left eye was all about, but it's something. Yeah. This, this teacher was teaching, and um, and this finally this woman and I were like trying to do this like really intense thing, and then it was like, talk to this person and tell them all the things that you know that you can see from their soul, having just met having just met them. Oh my. God. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some stuff up because I. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, you would have to. And then I was still kind of blubbering, and I was just like, "I gotta get out of here." I, I just, I just broke the, broke the, broke the code. Code, and I was like, "I don't know what just happened, but I just got really intense and feeling full of motion, and I just, I gotta, I'm flight's leaving, and I gotta fucking get out of here." And so, anyway, I did. 
That's so funny, Nicole. Like every time you tell me, well, you've told me twice now, like once over lunch and once again, it's like whenever the story is being told to you, you have to look at the person's left eye because you're like, what? Okay. Okay. Now I'm just staring at their left eye. But what I wonder is how I would have reacted to that. Cause whenever there's like an awkward, like wellness Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. some sort of like Mm -hmm. meditation retreat, I always think what would one of our, you know, who in our friend group would find that the most uncomfortable and who would love it yeah and who would love it Courtney <laughs> Courtney would absolutely love the vulnerability she would and then I feel like Melanie would probably find it the most awkward and uncomfortable and then I was thinking about what what, what would did anybody just start laughing and like not because there's been times where I've had a laugh attack in very inappropriate moments in my life. And one of them was at like a live theater show, <gasps> like three, I think it was Melanie, Matt and I, we were at the university of Washington and there was like live actors. Like we were in the front row Stop and it we had right a now. laughing attack and <laughs> nothing to do with the actors, nothing, <laughs> but we could not stop laughing to like save our lives. We were just in stitches oh and I was like what would have happened like how awful would that have been if that ha- happened I don't know I'm, I'm sorry that you <laughs> no it's okay I think had <laughs> such a it was a good, crazy intense experience it was just really intense and I was just like I can't couldn't escape myself yeah and I feel like this the whole point of the conference too is just to show up yeah emotionally just yeah like be present and show up yeah so you I, did that. I did it, but I was like, oh, fuck. Um, and then as I was leaving, I was like a woman of tears saying oh, goodbye man. to James. Bye. bye, bye. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, girlfriend. Anyway, it was great and funny and funny and intense. But I, I loved it. Hopefully he'll do another weekend like that. Yeah, that'd be great. That I'd was love the, to go next time. That was 1.0. That was version 1.0. So he'll probably do a 2.0. Cool. Yeah, we could go. We should. That was fun. So my meltdown moment was nothing related to any any kind of a retreat. It was just a meltdown that happened in my home just yesterday evening. It was my my children uh, were getting ready for bedtime. My hu- husband had just gone to the taco truck to get us dinner. And all of a sudden, I'm downstairs trying to vacuum after all of that intense, like, house rearranging oh, right, right cleaning up the house vacuuming this was like sunday night right yeah, yeah sunday night you gotta go to work in the morning yeah just mm-hmm. finishing things up yep. the kids were upstairs i had told them like three times to take a bath you know kenley my daughter had already done that she got her jammies on she was good to go the boys however were wrestling around and and causing chaos and all of a sudden there was like screaming from all three of them and i was like Uh-oh. oh shit i know something's gone wrong so one of them rafferty my youngest was bleeding from the head he uh- had <laughs> been wrestled too hard by his nine-year-old brother he's five and hit his head on the dresser and oh. was like, his shirt was like splattered with blood. Oh no. He was wondering if he was going to die. <laughs> the, all the children were like, I was like, give me my phone. Couldn't find the phone. Give me my work phone. Tried to call dad. Dad doesn't take blocked blocked numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is what my work number provides. Um, I was trying to figure out whether or not I needed to call 911, but I had already put like pressure on the wound, yeah. taken a gander. It wasn't too bad. We were yeah. just holding, you know, down the fort in the bathroom, trying to just calm people. 
the fuck down. Because it was hysteria. Oh, right? it was total hysteria. Because Kenley gets like a contact panic from the rest of the folks. Rafferty was just like wondering if he was going to die. He was hysterical. (laughs) Wilder was feeling terrible that he had caused this injury. And it was just (laughs) just trying to get people to calm, just like take deep breaths and calm down and stuff like that. What did you what do you say? What do you say like Kenley? Like, it's not helping that we're <laughs> that we're not calming down. Cause I was like, if we continue to yell and cry really loud, like it's gonna make it worse. You know. So and Wilder was like, Good news, I found a phone. You know, like oh let's God. not worry about the fact that we can't find mom's phone. We found a phone better than nothing. I was like, Yes, oh that is a positive. And then Kenley was was just like she was just trying to do her like breathing and staying calm and I was just trying to be like look I don't think we're gonna have to go to the ER I don't think it's that bad I think that it's gonna be okay you know just kind yeah. of was, ugh, calming that is so funny it's not helping yeah <laughs> it's not helping and then Rafferty is such a sensitive guy like he threw up after it which I know is a sign of oh yeah right uh-huh. it could be you know with, with the eyes dilated and yeah. the falling asleep right after but he is very sensitive he throws up after he takes a big poop sometimes because right. he's like we talked about that one. that stinks and that's making me want to throw up or that was painful yeah. that's gonna make me throw up so after having endured a head injury of this magnitude he was like I feel sick yeah I think it's visceral like that um mm-hmm. yeah shoot but mm-hmm. it's it was just a it was just a mere flesh wound. It was. It was very superficial and it it actually um just uh scabbed over. No need for stitches. A couple hours later. He's totally fine. We got him in the bath and he's so considerate. He was like everyone was watching TV. We're just kind of like, let's put on a the kids baking challenge and and relax. Right. You know, and so he, I noticed he was sitting down at like the foot of the bed on our um our chest uh-huh. and the other kids were like laying down up on the pillows and stuff and I was like, "Raph, why aren't you just laying down relaxing?" He was like, "I don't want to get blood all over the pillows." <laughs> I was like, "You should. You're so sweet. You don't need to worry about that. I wouldn't care if you got blood on the pillows." And I was like, "Let me get you a towel." And so what a he, nice kid. He's such an angel. Aww. And everybody was very supportive and helped him and hugged him and he ate a full dinner and got in the bath. Everything was all good. So oh, it was crazy, but everybody's okay. What was dad's response to it? Oh, well, when he got home, I mean, our it was taco all... truck is like five minutes from our house. Oh. So he got home and like rushed upstairs and checked on everybody yeah. and calmed everybody down. Yeah. And whisked the other two away so that I could tend to the, oh, the needy one. Nice. So incredibly supportive. As That's always. great. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, remember how you implemented that whole r- routine? Oh yeah. Is it still on? Like Donkey Kong? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Can, totally. Couldn't you tell by the way that the, <laughs> the elder boys and the youngest boy were listening to me so well last night? Right. Um, no, the sticker chart? No, we've forgotten about the sticker chart. But we've... I don't know. It seems like some of it's going better because now they're all sleeping in their sa- their own beds. Oh, cool. Which is awesome. And I think that they, they kind of get the gist of things after you do kind of a hardcore implementation like that, they, you know, and they practice it for mm-hmm. like a week. They're kind of like, okay, this is important to mom and dad for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. So yeah. they're doing better, but you cool. know, they have their moments still. Yeah. 
And they're still young. Uh-huh. The reason why we didn't continue with the sticker chart was because we filled it all the way up and then I was too lazy to recreate another one. <laughs> you know, we could anytime continue. Yeah. You could have, have them say, you're going to create the sticker chart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay, cool. Good. good question, Nicole. Thanks for the follow-up. Well, Thanks for one. the challenge, the you're, parenting challenge. You're, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I was just curious as your friend, because I was like, I was re-listening to that episode where you talked about it, and I was like, um, I always re-listen to the episodes, by the way, guys, because mm-hmm. I'm always like, quality control. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was like, um, I wonder how that's going, because that could be a total game changer in the battle for the bedtime. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it is a game changer. It's three easy steps. Yeah. You know, and they seem to be doing good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did we get a reader email meltdown? (gasps) Oh, we sure did. This is a funny one. Thank you, Eric Arena, for writing into us. I'm, I'm just opening my phone so I can, um, so I can read it aloud. So Eric Arena is, um, a Liberty high school alum, call it, you know, <laughs> former, um, high school student of ours. Yeah. A friend from high yeah. school. And, um, anyway, he wrote in about a travel meltdown that he had while he was studying abroad. Cause Nicole and I both talked about our stories about, um, studying abroad. And he said, Um, he was in Italy in January of 1999 and, um, he was there and he was with himself and three classmates and they had just bought in sandwiches and Coca-Colas for lunch one day in the Piazza Novana, a famous Baroque style square in the middle of Rome. And after purchasing our lunch, that's such a beautiful square. That's like the beautiful, most beautiful one. I think Mm. it's the one that they always show in movies with, um, with like, they always like illuminate it with blue water and oh, I haven't been there, but anyway. um, you haven't sounds, been to Rome, did no. you? Go to Italy, yeah, pretty recently. Yep, I, yep, Venice, um, Cinque Terre, and Florence. Okay, but not Rome. Cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, after pur- purchasing lunch, the four of us sat down on a bench in the southwest corner of the piazza, and in the middle of lunch, a homeless man came up to me and pulls a fucking gun <gasps> on him. And he points it right in my face and says something in Italian. I obviously didn't understand. Cocks the gun. And at this point, I'm thinking, I'm dead. And he points it at me again and says something in Italian again. And then he puts the gun away and walks away from us. Oh, my God. And he was like, it was surreal. The four of us just looked at each other like, did that just fucking happen? And we searched for a cop and it took us a while. But when we finally found one, they weren't exactly empathetic or hustling to find the guy. <laughs> and then when they finally found him a few days later, the cops claimed that he was like a harmless guy. And we were like, what the fuck? Wow. Oh, my God. That's really scary. No shit. Can I don't even know what could be scarier. Like you're like looking like I'm going to die. I'm dead. I'm yeah, dying. looking down the barrel of a gun. Yeah. That's really never happened to me. Nope. Me neither. No. One thing that kind of happened a little bit close to that, not not even, sorry, Eric, it's nothing like what you experienced. <laughs> but um, my cousin and I uh, went to Torero's, this little Mexican restaurant in Renton, pretty frequently. And mm-hmm. one day we went there for dinner. And uh, we were walking back to the car after dinner and opened my car. I had like a red blazer GMC Jimmy. And there was a homeless man sitting in the backseat, laying down in the backseat of the car, just like taking a nap. 
Oh. And I and I and I just basically flung the doors open and was like, a bum. There's oh. a bum in my car. And I ran and my cousin thought I had said a bomb. Oh. And so she no. was really running. <laughs> Oh, no. Really fast back to the restaurant because we were gonna like call the police. I can't she was like a bomb, and I was like, no, a bum. There's a homeless person in my car, and so anyway, the cops like very expeditiously came, met us at the vehicle. The the, the homeless person was gone by that point, and we we're just like looking for any like yeah grossness left behind. But it was fine, and we just went home. And he was just she just needed a place to lay, or she needed a place to lay their head but yeah. it's hysterical right the b- bum bum bomb the bum bomb <laughs> <laughs> whoops but anyway whoops. oh my god that's so funny eric thanks for writing in that means a lot we will share other listeners meltdown moments i don't know if anybody will be able to top that but the other funny thing about being held at gunpoint is that the other funny ch- thing about being held at gunpoint. My children think when they're thinking about death and dying, they think that there's some likelihood that they might get shot. Because I think that they're so exposed to violence in the media these days. Yeah. And they play so many video games. They're like, now, if I were to ever get shot, mm. and I'm like, you will probably never get shot. Like, most people, that doesn't happen to. Right. But I'm just like, shit, man. People talk about, you know, mm-hmm. these children think that that is, is a good there's a good chance that might happen yeah. to him. That's not great commentary on our gun policy here. In, not at on, all. Or our problem. No. Yeah. Problems with gun, guns in America. God damn the, MR, the NRA. Fuck you, NRA. That's what I got to say. Sorry. I can say that. Fuck <laughs> you, NRA. Yeah. And then I'm not going to say anything else. Um, well, actually... We're going to talk about this book that we read, Becoming, yeah. by Michelle Obama. This is the whole, um, we're going to get into this on this episode. Um, but, I mean, part of, in, in her book, you yeah. know, this is about, like, we're segueing now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because um, in her book, her book's about her life growing up, going to college, like, basically, she grew up in South Side of Chicago from working class parents. Uh, ended up going to Princeton, even though like her school counselor thought she was in Princeton material. And then she went to Harvard law. Anyway, obviously we know who she, we know what happens, right? She marries Barack, but in her book, she talks about like them going to console people's like the, the kids from the families from Newtown and like the, like, you know, different people who are are victims of gun violence and Mm -hmm. like then being unable to do anything because we are gridlocked Mm -hmm. in the United States because of all of the money and the the fear that's around uh, what people feel, how people feel about guns. You know what I thought was really inspirational, though, was what New Zealand did after what happened to right. them just, just a week, last week and right? a half ago. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. <clears throat> they, yeah, they were just like, oh, we're we're changing our fucking law, and yeah. it's effective in two weeks, and we will institute a buyback program, and this is the what we're going to do. And a lot of people agreed with it. You know, I think on both sides, and that like, was so. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah, it is, and it. And Australia did the same thing in the mm-hmm. 1990s, right? After their first and only mass shooting 
Right. I think that they're the gold standard of, of, um, yeah, what you should do to tell me why a civilian needs an AR 15. Tell me why we don't need them. No, no. Only fear mongers Mm -hmm. want them and need them for the, in the, when there's Armageddon mm-hmm. and people are fighting over water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, chasing zombies. Yeah. Come on, man. I don't know. I just, I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I'm not sorry. You know what I really loved was, um, all those stay out of my lane photos by surgeons, like trauma surgeons uh-huh. where, where they're like showing them their bodies fully covered by a victim's gun or victim's blood head to toe, you know, cause it yeah. doesn't take, if you get someone in the aorta, uh-huh. they'll bleed out in two minutes, mm-hmm. you know, you, you pump 10 liters of blood per minute through your heart, mm-hmm. 10 liters. Mm-hmm. That's it. Your blood volume. It's gone. Yeah. These anyway. So what was their message? I didn't see any their message was like, fuck you NRA. Don't tell me what I can't say and what I, or that I, that as a doctor, I, I don't get to speak up about gun control and gun reform. Yeah. I see gun. Ref- I see the what happens with, in re- relation to gun violence in America. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, because mm-hmm. I'm wearing basically in a bloodbath mm-hmm. with all of the, um, all the patients that come in. You know, those are basically what the trauma surgeons were sa- were saying, and they were sh- p- posting pictures on Instagram, not of the victims that were shot, right? But you know, any you work in any ER, any trauma hospital mm-hmm. in across the United States someone's coming in there's gonna be a gunshot wound right mm-hmm. anyway yeah. i know we could be polarizing our listeners but i we're probably a pretty liberal probably figured it out by now we're a liberal mm-hmm. bunch uh, anyway and you know my dad's a gun owner yeah. late in life gun owner i guess yeah i think my dad has a gun too <clears throat> you know i mean you know i mean i love my parents they're very we have very different political views but i still love them Right. Yeah. And that's okay. We can have, you know, tolerance for. Yeah. Back to the book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to some, a a lighter topic, shall we? Yeah. What an inspirational book though this has been. Yeah. And I'm going to be transparent and say, I'm not even halfway through. I'm probably about halfway through, but, um, we're going to talk about some highlights, stuff that resonated with us that Mm -hmm. might, that inspired us and then might inspire you as well. Well, you just say, what you said before the show started about Tacoma. Oh yeah. So, um, the, okay. So I actually invited Nicole to maybe go see this in February when it happened, but you know, what happened was the snowstorm. And so, and I, plus I, I just didn't buy tickets because <laughs> I'm a cheap asshole. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Michelle Obama came anyway and she was in Tacoma and I follow, Eddie Vetter and Jill Vetter and I saw a picture of Michelle like hugging their two kids on Instagram and mm. you know I was just like oh my god she must have come so yeah that was cool so it was a good reminder it was funny because we were going to be talking about this the day after her her uh, speaking engagement here in Seattle so now we get to talk we, ha- we can have our own little virtual podcast book club yeah about this with our audience members mm-hmm. just a day after her trip here so it's good timing you actually talked about this a little bit with on the episode with Nelson mm-hmm. last week, which was an awesome episode. If you haven't listened to it, you got to listen to it, you guys. Um, yeah. Thank you, Nelson. We loved having you. You were the best. You talk about, you know, essentially there comes a point in Michelle's career where she's like, huh, 
I'm not sure where I'm going. I'm basically, I, she was a woman who checked boxes, you know, Mm -hmm. she kind of, she was on this path. She obviously she went to Princeton, then she went to Harvard law and then she became a lawyer at this high rank, high profile law firm in Chicago. And, um, but it left her wanting more Mm -hmm. and, you know, not knowing she just didn't know where she wanted to go. And that was really refreshing because I think for me and for probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast, some point in your lifetime, you're, unless you're like the kind of person that's like, I'm doing this and I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to do. You're going to be maybe unfulfilled and mm-hmm. you're going to want to swerve. It was what mm-hmm. you, you were talking about this. It was refreshing to hear her talk about that openly in her book because I can relate to that, right? You know, after she met Barack and that whole burgeoning of their romance was very awesome to read about. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's face it, he's a very handsome man. (laughs) (laughs) And she's stunning too. She is very gorgeous. She's one hot, sexy mama. Yeah. I was just thinking about them as a hot couple. Yeah. Um, He was like, he was super driven, had a very interesting life. And he was interested in really creating change in the communities in Chicago. And, and she wasn't, she wasn't even sure like what she was going to do like at all. She was thinking about like, I'm, I, where would I even go? Like she pondered it for six months and she was sending out letters to places and mm-hmm. trying to cultivate something mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. and for her and in, like another passion or interest. And, you know, ultimately she settled on, doing some community work, I think, right? Yeah, she worked for City Hall. Oh, that's right, for City Hall first, and then worked at Allied. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Public Allied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she, she, like, leveraged her female network, Mm -hmm. which was super awesome. And kind of going back to what Nicole was saying about um, one of the things that she talks about multiple times is, is this feeling that she had when she was growing up about being good enough. Oh, yeah. And I think that we all think that way and wonder if we're good enough. And it kind of put her on this trajectory towards achievement and a really accomplished education. And when you go to like Ivy League schools like that, I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at people or I have the privilege of meeting people with degrees like those, I'm just like, you're a made person. You have it all figured out. You can do whatever you want. But it's interesting. It's humbling to realize that even people like her yeah had a moment where they're like gosh I don't know if I did the right thing and gosh maybe I wasted a ton of money on this I I mean of course it's never a waste to get an education but yeah or maybe you know I'm not sure I want to do law at all I'm not sure I want to practice law anymore so it, it to me it made me feel good to know that she she was having very real moments of uncertainty yeah, and another thing she wrote, yeah, she she kind of actually found this journal that she had started and not looked looked at for quite a while. One of the things she said was starting her journal. She says, number one, I feel very confused about about where I want my life to go and what kind of person I want to be and how I contribute to the world. You know, <clears throat> it's a very um, relatable feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like to try to to try to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were other things that resonated for you? 
So just the feeling of not feeling good enough. Uh-huh. I still... Oh, and then you know what I else oh. I loved? Go ahead. Oh, she does a lot of speaking engagements and oh rufus is coming to hang out with us hi rufus hi rufus we'll get your microphone strapped strapped onto your collar in just a second (laughs) 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 and when she does a lot of commencement speeches and stuff she you know she's she talks to people like i am you there really isn't any divide between people who have degrees or people who don't or people who've made it who people who don't you know Mm -hmm. like we we're all you know well and actually when she was speaking to a lot of the places she you know she tries to speak to african-american communities or people that don't get enough focus um who've maybe been a little bit more invisible and and obviously i'm not a person of color i i can't speak to what that experience was was like because you know i obviously have my own inherent privilege and being a woman or being a, a white woman she came from this working class family she got a degree she she made it and she's speaking to these women or young women young girls um you know that that basically like i was you you are me we are we are the same Mm -hmm. if i can do it you can do it Mm -hmm. i think it's super inspirational one of the things that she actually really, really enjoyed was when she became the executive director of the Public Allies Group. And what it was really focused on was um, recruiting people with a GED education, somebody from the community, someone who had leadership skills that were inherent or, you know, without like some fancy education and uh, to allow them to become leadership roles and groom them for success in professional careers and things like that. And what I thought was so cool, what did she do? Well, well they were actually talking about um, training them on how to speak up in a meeting when you were with people who were, had maybe more clout than you did or yeah. had more tenure or had a higher degree. And I was like, God, I wish I took a class like that because I think speaking up and using your voice and saying your opinion, number one, it seems like you have to have an advocate for you in the room. Like recently at my my new job, it's like there's this one person who really believes in me and kind of kind of gave me permission to have the floor. And that has it's like that belief in me mm-hmm. is what has caused me to be able to speak my mind and tell my opinion and make recommendations and, and have people listen. But I was thinking thinking what a wonderful skill that would be to, to share with other people, you know, just yeah, how to use Excel, you know, and right. kind of get over this technological hump that, that mm-hmm. challenges many people in society. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that is amazing. I think that we don't get enough concrete um, skills out of high school, out of college, you know, mm-hmm. to use in the real world, like how to speak up in a meeting, how to, you know, mm-hmm. some essential skills like that. So that made me think she I feel like she was always trying to work to equal the playing field because you know when she was working in her law law firm she was trying to recruit more black lawyers or people of color more lawyers because they were their, their law firm was historically picking from like Ivy League schools and as you know you know the, those there are routes for people who are wealthy and Caucasian mm-hmm. that are, you know, groomed to maybe not consciously, but groomed to go to these Ivy league schools. But mm-hmm. she was creating, she was trying to create 
opportunities for people to be seen mm-hmm. and heard and chosen. And, um, so that they would have the same opportunities like herself. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I was really inspired by her. And then, um, it was really funny when she was talking about her and Barack and when they first got together mm-hmm. and they're really different. I, it was really interesting to hear, um, Barack's story cause she kind of told it like she came from a really stable family home mm-hmm. life and he came from, um, a divorced parent situation and he moved around kind of a lot and he just really rolled with the punches. He never really let, um, any of that influence his like career trajectory or how he felt about himself. Who knows? I didn't read a book about Barack, but (laughs) from, from the way she made it sound, it was inspiring because I I always kind of blame my, my aimlessness in my twenties on my parents' divorce. Oh, right. You know, I just, because, because it's there to do that with, how interesting, you know, here we have like one of the most, um, ambitious men in yeah. America in the history of America. Yeah. Who, who came from a, um, divorced family. The, yeah. You know, and so that was kind of like, huh, you know, people, you, you don't, you just don't have to sit around and make excuses for, for why your life turned out the way it did. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't. Yeah, totally. You know, and then she talked about their first fight and she, she actually used the word rage. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like, um, over time we figured out how to express and overcome our irritations and occasional rage. Um, and I have actually been somebody who <laughs> I feel like has a lot of rage, mm-hmm. you know, and I express it. I mean, my friends have seen me be super angry and express it. My husband has, my children certainly have, unfortunately, I'm so sorry. Um, But it's this emotion or anger is this emotion that we all have within us, but we're not okay to like, it's not okay to like express it, Mm -hmm. but you have to figure out a way to process it. But it was just nice to know that somebody is put together and as educated as Michelle Obama, you know, describes herself as having a little bit of rage once in a while, which was like, amen, sister. I mean, seriously, because... there are moments in life that are just really hard not to be angry about Mm -hmm. you know yeah well she's human yeah um i think it's so graceful that she was so open um about all these personal things that she encountered in her life and Mm -hmm. to talk about to talk about that um and be so vulnerable um part of she mentions later in the book that she failed the bar exam the first time. Oh, right. Yeah, I read that. And too. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This, this woman has balls, man. Like, I, I ha- would have a lot of, um, oh, I would have ascribed all kinds of feelings to that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm a failure. I did this or that. You know, I've certainly failed at things before in my life. Um, but anyway, I just was so enamored with her courage courage yeah to talk about it um and it's great that she talked about her emotions so freely yeah tell me more about how the book kind of ends and wow um, the white house years oh my gosh so it was really fascinating to learn to get like a behind the scenes what it was like to be on the road Mm -hmm. campaigning Mm -hmm. what it was like to be to 
be inaugural the inaugural process to mm-hmm. go into the white house to move in move into the white house to all of a sudden have this cla- clan of um secret service people always around you mm-hmm. um and how much like you know wherever they had to go she talks about after they've been in office or after after Barack's been in office for f- 4 months they go out to dinner and just they used to they used to connect like every week um because he was he was up in I can't remember the name of the town but he was um he was basically working in another city in as a senator and then he would come back mm-hmm. home and they would c- convene on um, every Friday night in Chicago and they'd have dinner together and that was their time to like sit and talk and connect and stuff yeah and so they tried to recapture that after four months of being in office and like it took like the secret service had to shut down the highway. They had to, you know, tell uh, basically screen the restaurant where they were going to go. Then they had to get, then they went to a play afterwards and uh-huh. Oh it, my God. So like everybody that the play was like for second, well, after they went to the restaurant, all the guests were had to be screened and mm-hmm. wanded down after oh. Just going to their normal fancy restaurant, uh-huh. and then when they went to the play, everybody had to be checked out there, and the play was late and all this stuff. Anyway, it was just a very uh, vivid telling of how different life was for them. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. But she 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 talked a lot about um, how she wasn't really um, sure about Barack having a life in politics, uh-huh. um, and that she wasn't sure about putting her family, pushing them out in the limelight like that, Mm -hmm. especially her two girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I just found she was, you know, very refreshing and, and I would be terrified too, to be in the limelight and to be publicly scrutinized, Mm -hmm. which she got a lot of public scrutiny on the, on the campaign trail. Mm -hmm. People, spliced together her words mm-hmm. to to make make her sound like a non-patriotic person mm-hmm. um which she had never really experienced the negative she hadn't quite endured any negative mm-hmm. press but then all of a sudden she started to have negative press and no one had ever talked to her about how to behave on the campaign trail and never she never got any any education or anything where mm-hmm. Barack, I think was getting, had speech writers and he had people, you know, telling him how to, I don't know, giving him advice here and there. She didn't have any of that. And all of a sudden she was getting, she wasn't very well received. And for off, I mean, by the Republicans, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so, and then like some of the things that she was told, like maybe she needed to smile more and, you know, that kind of bullshit that. Mm-hmm. women get told um and does she just need to carry herself in a different way mm-hmm. was just hard hard to swallow and then when she gets into the white house mm-hmm. she doesn't have you know she doesn't have a job description mm-hmm. of what it means to be the first lady although there are all these like rules kind of like and roles that she needs to fill but there isn't like you you have to do x but and so she had to learn she and it was hard for her to just be like second fiddle mm-hmm. like be 
the Mrs. Obama mm-hmm. to Barack, you know, mm-hmm. um, because she was a very successful woman. She had paved her own path and people were discrediting her background and her, her history and, um, her work experience and basically just was like, you're just the first lady now. Yeah. You're just supposed to be like dressing pretty. And then, you know, her wardrobe was scrutinized and everything was scrutinized. You know, mm-hmm. like if you showed her arms, it was scrutinized. If she didn't, if she wore this color to this thing, that was scrutinized. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Crazy. Well, that's interesting. I'm glad she shared all that with us. Yeah. I would say you should finish reading the book. I don't want to tell you everything, but um, I mean, I won't, but um the, <laughs> you know, the, they had to move in in like really short order and they had to pick out all of their furniture and everything and really, really quickly and all this stuff craziness, like that they had all these private chefs and, or, and there's all this private staff, but it's built in, but yet they had to pay for that every month. Like it was just kind of like they foot the bill for, all of, all of that every month. Like, I didn't know that that's how it worked at the, at the White House. When you're, when you become president, the monthly expenses. You have to pay for them? Uh-huh. Yeah. Out of your salary. Uh-huh. But, but you get the salary. Yeah. Of I guess you get the salary, but I don't. POTUS. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But if it, Brock was like, wow, that sushi tasted amazing, then they would, they didn't know it was like coming from Japan that morning, you know, or whatever. They were like, <laughs> like, of course the chefs really wanted to satisfy like their every desire yeah oh and then for her girls she had to like tell them like you don't get to just get whatever you want you know imagine being like two young girls in the white house yeah being like um can i have blah 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 blah." and they could probably have anything they wanted at their fingertips so she would try to tell (laughs) the staff like no actually they need boundaries they need there uh, there needs to be some stuff that they don't get to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, we hope that you guys like the book. Yeah. I, uh, I write just, in, yeah, with your thoughts. Um, she did... Oh, I did want to say that I... She... Um, when she first suggested to the White House, she definitely felt like she was, like, living a life in captivity. It wasn't... Really? Yeah, it wasn't, like, a complaint necessarily like I don't think she's not a complainer you know yeah but she was very used to her freedoms like she got to a place where when she was running around she didn't have to take keys a wallet a purse or anything with her ever Hmm. like her assistants had it other people had it like every little part of her life was like planned out like where she would go to time to go to the bathroom and time to whatever like that kind of level of detail she was all taken away from her in terms of like her life planning stuff. And she was, she just, she missed that stuff. She missed being in control of that kind of stuff. Sure. And yeah. So, um, mm -hmm, yeah, she just tried to find normalcy where she could. Yep. One of the things that she also said through the, in the book was that she just wanted everyone to have a seat at the table. So that was kind of what what drove her in her legacy as Michelle Obama. Oh, 
And she did a lot of stuff. We're trying to get kids healthy and she planted the garden. I'm sure you remember oh, yeah, that. I remember yeah, yeah. That. Anyway, it was a fascinating book. It was really amazing. And she herself was like, I can't believe that this is who I became. You know? Yeah. The president, the, the, the first lady of the United States. Yeah. No kidding, man. The first black lady of the United States. The yeah. first woman of color. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, they put in, um, and I, I remember when they were inaugurated. I mean, I, I'm sure you do too. Like yeah. everybody was just in tears. Like it was the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. Um, they, when they were in the office, you know, they changed some decor in the white house. They got mm-hmm. the first piece of art ever made by a, a African-American person up in the white house. Like no, no art um, was ever displayed by a person of color. Wow. That's a yeah. shame. I'm glad yeah. you changed that. Anyway, it was just fascinating to me how old uh, and how white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, what, I mean, the obviously, the history of the United Yeah. And, and the White House. So, well, thanks for sharing all your thoughts on the book. Yeah. I rambled for a while. It was really good, though. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of inspiration from beginning to end. Yes, definitely, definitely. I we recommend it. Yeah, check it out. It's life changer. It's a game changer. (laughs) Uh, Anything else we want to say? Nope. Peace out. Peace out. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Please follow us on Instagram at Meltdown City Podcast, or you can email us at MeltdownCityPodcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out on our website at MeltdownCityPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.